0: Hello. Thank you for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. This week, we're hearing from Brandon Yates as he shares about the art of being present. In an age where we're surrounded by distractions, it can be really easy to get caught up and then feel really distant from each other and distant from the Lord. Brandon addresses some of the most obvious distractions, like being on your phone all the time or getting caught up in social media. But he also addresses some of the things we might not have considered, like how we're being distracted by our own busyness. Our schedules get too full, and then we don't have enough time for ourselves, each other, and cultivating our relationship with the Lord. Brandon shares very vulnerably and personally about things that he's going through and how the Lord is teaching him to draw closer through all of it. Enjoy.
1: I know a lot of you guys, but um, I've known Paula and a lot of you guys for a really long time, and um, I love being here. Uh, I'm very excited to be here with you guys tonight, and uh, what the Lord has to share. Um, I've always said that I like to to talk about what the Lord is kind of speaking to me and how He's moving in and through my life, um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that tonight. And I, I I know you guys just prayed over me, but I just I always like to pray because it kind of brings just a, a sense of peace to my heart. So let's pray again because you can never do that too much, but. Uh, Jesus, we we worship you. Uh, You are such a good, good father who gives good gifts to his children when they ask. So God, right now we ask that you would move on our behalf, that you would speak to the deepest, darkest recesses of our heart, that you would call into light what needs to be brought forth. And God, I pray, Father, uh, that tonight boldness would be instilled, that courage would be instilled, I speak against fear or anxiety. God, I pray, Father, uh, that we would be able to be vulnerable with ourselves tonight. And we'd be able to to look at our lives and see where we need you and where we need to move. And uh, so we give you the next few moments. We ask that you would have your way and that we'd be obedient with what you place in our hands. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Growing up, my grandparents we uh, were missionaries to Africa, and, and growing up, most of my life, about half the year, they'd spend in South Africa, kind of traveling around, doing a, a lot of different stuff, Bible college stuff, just, I, I honestly don't actually know what they really did, um, I just know it sounded awesome, um, and, and the coolest thing was, a, as a little boy, uh, you think about your, your family living in Africa, and you think they're in, like, the wild savannah, and, like, fighting lions and stuff and they'd come home with all these awesome like toys and trinkets and baskets and like my grandpa's office was just filled with stuffed animals not like stuffed animal, but like dead animals that were like literally stuffed um and it was the it was the scariest place to go in the world you never went down there as like an eight-year-old by yourself like you just didn't because it was sure death like it was it was terrifying um but he w- they would always come home, and they'd always have awesome stories uh, just about the wilderness and, and what they experienced. And one story that sticks out to me that, that they would share all the time, and I know it only happened once, but they would share it like it happened every single day. Um, but they were like, yeah, we, we woke up one morning, and we were going to the grocery store, and we got out of our house, and, and sitting on top of our car was just this pride of lions. And I didn't believe them at first, but then they showed me a picture, and so I wasn't going to call my grandpa a liar to his face, um, but I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. As, as a young boy, like the fact of living in the wilderness with like lions and all these like crazy animals like just stirred something up. And ever since then, I've just been enamored with lions. Like people want shark week. No, forget that. I, w- I want lion week. Like just lions tearing flesh apart week. Like that just sounds, that's the coolest thing ever. We were actually, my, my kids and I have two young kids, a, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. We were, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were at home and we were watching this show on Netflix. Um, it's called Growing Up Wild Disney and it's this story of five or six different animal families from like the birth of the little ones up to like whatever and um I was looking at these lionesses and and how they hunt for for their kids and so the the lioness was sneaking up behind this prey and behind this gazelle and and then it pounced and it like started ripping it apart and I got up thinking like I'm gonna have to hide this from my kids face because they're gonna be traumatized like they're gonna be they're gonna hate this and they're like yeah get it eat it and I was like yes they're they're my kids this is great my wife came out and was like, you can't let them watch it. I was like, well, it's a little too late now. So we've watched it like six or seven times since then. Um, I, 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 love, I love lions, and I love looking at the way they hunt and the way that they, they operate as a pride, and it's, it's awesome because... We, we think just looking at, at the male lion that, that he's the one, he's, he's kind of the, the beast, he's the king of the jungle, right? But when we look at it, it's actually the lioness that does the lion's share of the work. She's the one that really does all of the hunting. And and I, it, it's kind of weird that it's the chicks that you got to be worried about because they can do the most damage. And we could we could do a whole nother message on that. We could do a whole nother message on that. But The lioness does most of the work but the 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 male plays a very integral part and what what the lion does the most of the times is is while the lioness is sneaking up from behind to to attack her prey the lion will go in front of the herd and the lion will let out this ferocious beastly powerful roar that can be heard for up to five miles because they can can. it's about all they can do So so they let out this beastly roar and and it causes the prey to scatter in every direction except towards the roar. They, They run from the roar because surely the roar is where the danger is. And what they don't realize is that when they turn their back on the roar just in the grass behind them is where the real danger of the lioness is. That's where the real danger comes from. And here's why. Because what the prey doesn't know is that if it runs towards the roar what it's going to encounter is typically the oldest the weakest the frailest and the slowest line in the whole pride and I think it's that way in our lives sometimes the the, the roar that's coming at us in the here and now is terrifying it, it freezes us it, it shakes us it, it, it causes us to want to turn and to run But here's the thing, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, but it would, be, it would be more beneficial for the prey to run towards the roar than away from it, because the danger is when you turn your back on the roar. So get this, There's, this is something that my grandpa had, had, had told me, but this is also kind of like an old proverb that throughout the African savannah tribes would tell their young is, hey, run towards the roar. As they were growing up in this dangerous place, they would tell their kids, run towards the roar, run towards the roar. Why? Because that's not where the danger is. That's just kind of a a facade. And we see in the Bible that the the devil prowls around around like a roaring lion. And so often when we hear him speak or when circumstances come into our lives that are terrible, that that are so frightening, we would rather, instead of dealing with them in the moment, we would rather turn our backs on them and run in the opposite direction. And so here's what I want to talk about real quick is that the art of being presence, present starts with the ability and your willingness to run towards the roar. Run towards the roar. That, that, that doesn't make sense to most of us. When there's, when there's danger ahead of us, when there's danger before us, what, 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 we, ha- we kind of get that fight-or-flight mentality, and the most ma- majority of us, we choose to run. We choose to turn and to go the other direction. We want to we wanna stay safe. We want to live another day. We want to we wanna take another breath. We want to have another moment, and so, so we run from the roar. We, we choose to run and not be in the here and now. Here's, here's the problem with the present. For some of us, our present, our today, our tomorrow, our next week, flat out sucks. Can I be honest enough and say that? Our future, what we're going through, the issues in our life, the brokenness, the weakness, the hopelessness that we're encountering in our lives or in our family's lives or, or just in this world in general is, is terrifying. And it would be so much easier for us to turn our backs on the present to turn our backs on the roar of the fear that's before us. It's so much easier to turn and run the other way. This past year of my life has probably been one of the hardest years of my life. I I might have talked about this um, last time I was here. I don't really remember. I have a terrible memory, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Um, Last year in April started off great. Um, God did some awesome physical healings in my life that I talked about here. It was it was fantastic, and it was like, man, this year is going to be a great year. This year is going to be an awesome year, and it, it it pretty quickly turned out to be kind of like the the opposite of awesome. Um, in June we had a house fire, lost a bunch of stuff. In October I nearly lost my dad to a severe heart attack. Um, broke my leg in October. Um, went through some other stuff and just last month we went through a miscarriage and uh, it's very easy for us to say I'm not going to encounter today it's so much easier to stay in bed. It's so much easier not to encounter. It's so much easier not to engage today because today is filled with fear. Today is filled with brokenness. There's no way anything good can happen today. My marriage is a disaster. Why even Why even engage my husband or my wife anymore because it's obviously over. We run away from the roar, but here's the thing. The danger is when we run from the roar, we need to run to the roar. And, and, and guys, it, it's the hardest year of my life, but my wife and I have never, ever been closer. We've never fought so much in our life over the past year. And now we're closer and more in love than we've ever been before. And it's because we chose to run towards the roar. It's, we can turn our back on the brokenness of our family. We can turn our back on the addictions that we have. We can turn our backs on the pain of losing a child. And we can turn our backs and we can, we can walk away and we're good for a moment. And the more distance we get between us and those issues, we can dust ourselves off and we can say, you know what, we're good, we're good, we're good. It's, it's fine. And we'll feel good for a little while. And then days or weeks or months or years down the road, hiding in the grass is that same battle that you're going to have to fight. So instead of putting off, why don't we run towards the roar? I love this. We see this worked out in the life of David in Psalms, uh, or in not Psalms, in 1 Samuel 17, 48. And it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, get that, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle lines to meet him. So you guys, whether we like it or not, the battle's coming our way. Real encouraging, Brandon, thanks. <laughs> but let's get real. Whether we like it or not, the battle's coming at us. It can be with a miscarriage. It could be with cancer. It could be with, without having a job. My dad's been without a job for two and a half years, and, and in the midst of it, having a hard, like, like the, the battle's coming our way. What are we going to do? Are we going to turn our backs and say, no way, like, I'm getting out of Dodge. Like, I'm, I'm leaving, because it's still going to be chasing you. That battle's still going to be coming after you. And at some point, you're going to have to stand and choose to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to stand and I'm going to come after that fight. I love it that, that David didn't just wait for the battle to come to him, but he ran after the battle line. He ran towards it. He ran after it. It's so much easier for us to wake up every day and say, you know what, I'm not even going to engage in this problem. I'm not even going to address it. I'm going to sweep it under the rug. I don't even care. My wife said she's leaving me. Why, why even talk to her? Why even pray? Why even become the husband that I should be? Forget it, I'm done. I'm turning my back. It's so much easier to do that than to choose, hey, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to run to it. I'm going to encounter the battle and I'm going to give everything I have. Have you guys ever got a, a cut on your arm that, that like, it's, it's pretty painful or an injury and you, you kind of just like, grab it and you're like, ah, and then afterwards you're like, oh, it's not so bad anymore. Right? Like it's kind of it's that the same ide- idea. Are you going to fight today? Or are you going to fight five years from now? Either way, you're going to have to fight. Either way, it's going to be a battle. Either way, the enemy wants to stop you. The enemy doesn't want you to fulfill the calling on your life. The purposes that you have, the things that are encountering you, the things that are coming after you, the roar that's coming after you isn't meant just to scare you, it's meant to destroy you. Are you going to allow the enemy to do it? Or are you going to be like David, where he ran quickly towards the battle? In verse 49, continuing, it says, Reaching into the bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into the forehead. And he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine. And then it goes, continues and it says that, that David actually went up to him, stood over him and grabbed his sword and chopped off his head. How awesome is that? My son has a Lego Bible and this story is in it and it shows that. Lego blood in my son's Bible. It's fantastic, guys. you got to get it. Here's the thing. And I'm going to try to connect them together, and, I, I, and I, hope, I hope this makes sense. David ran towards the battle, not with a sword in his hand. The sword was the weapon of the day that everybody used. That's how you defended yourself in the day, was, was the sword. That's, just, that's what you did. It even says earlier that he strapped a sword on his side and he took it off because it didn't feel right. So often we run into the battles that we face with with the weaponry that's common for today. Hey, your family, your, your marriage is over? Yeah, sure, I'll run towards it with divorce. I'll just end it, whatever. You're an alcoholic? Sure, I'll run towards it with more alcohol. David didn't run towards the battle with a weapon that was 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 normal for the day. He went with a weapon that he was comfortable with. And it says that he, he picked up five stones and he ran after, and he let loose a stone into the air, and the stone did the fighting for him. As soon as he let it go, it was out of his hands, and the stone impacted the roar, and it took him down. Now, I'm not saying that you should take a stone out of the brook and throw it at your marriage. I'm not saying you should take a stone out of the brook and throw it at your prodigal son. That might help him, but you probably shouldn't do it. But check this out, guys. Isaiah 28, 6, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What are you running towards your battle with? David took a stone, and so often we, we run towards the battle with whatever weapon we have in our hands, whatever we're holding on to, and we think that through us, this weapon can give me victory. David took a stone. Throughout the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the stone. When we encounter the roar of today, are we doing it with our understanding? Or are we doing it with Jesus as our cornerstone? Are we doing it with him as our power? Are we going through him as our source? And are we letting him attack the battle? We still have a part to play. We still have to choose to run after it. But once we get to the point where the battle actually engages, we can let loose and we can let Jesus be our defender. We can let him fight the battle. We we still have to do some internal changing. We still have to do our part. But are we choosing to fight the battle? And here's the thing. That's why we get so fearful sometimes. is because we think we have to be the ones to fight the battle. We just have to be the ones to run towards it towards it and then let Jesus move in and through our lives to give us the victory. First Peter 2.7, it says, this stone is worth much to you who believe. This stone, Jesus, he's worth so much to those who believe. Do you think David believed that this weaponry that he chose was gonna give him the victory? Absolutely. He wouldn't have gone into battle without it. And I think some of us think, This battle's too big for Jesus. This roar is too big for him. Why even engage it? Why run after it? It's because we're not here. It's because we haven't spent time with Jesus. It's because we haven't haven't, spent time listening to him and going after it. I love uh, Braveheart William Wallace. He says, I fight and you will die. Run and you will live, at least for a while. Fight and you may die. Encountering the roars of today, encountering the brokenness and the hurt of today, it may cause more scars. It may bring more pain. Absolutely. We could run from it. The end of that quote says, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And here's what happens. When we choose not to engage the roars or the worries or the brokenness of today, when we choose not to engage it through the power of Christ, and we turn our backs and we run, we're no longer free. We're captive to those fears. We're captive to that brokenness. And it holds on to us. And it's constantly in the back of our heads. And we're constantly thinking about, when is it going to rear up again? When is it going to rear up again? I have a good friend who lost a daughter, a young daughter, five, six years later. He's still dealing with the brokenness of that. And I'm not, I, I, he, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be. But he never addressed it. He's not a believer. He doesn't have the hope of Jesus. I get it, brokenness lasts a long time. I'm not saying that. But it attacks and it rears up its ugly head in different ways at different times when we choose to run after the battle, when we choose to attack the roar. Guys, for us to be present in the here and now, we have to be willing to deal with the brokenness and the pains of the here and the now. If we're not dealing with the brokenness and the pains of the here and now, Man, distraction, destruction, it'll come our way. It's easy for us to get distracted. Some of us welcome distractions from our lives. We'd welcome it. I'd welcome a great distraction. I I hope work is stressful today so I don't have to think about home. I hope my kids act up at school today so I don't have to think about work. Destruction comes when we refuse to run towards the roar. Destruction comes when we refuse to run towards the roar. So we must run towards the roar. The second thing we have to do is we have to sit and listen. We have to sit and listen. And Carla, this ties perfectly into what you were saying before. I loved it. My, my two-year-old daughter, uh, as most of you know, uh, two-year-olds in general are the worst people to force to sit down and to listen. Like I, I'll tell Charlotte, I say, come here, and she's like, and I go and I grab her. I will grab her by the shoulders and I will sit her down. And say, "Look at me," and she's like, <laughs> like looking at something shiny or trying to like Disney Junior's on in the like peripheral. And she's like trying to like grab her cheeks and I'm like, "Look at me!" And I try to direct her face to look at me. She's like, "No, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be distracted." She's not gonna look. We're the same way though. God is trying to get our attention. God is trying to get us to look at Him, and we're, we're, we're too busy getting on Instagram. We're too busy getting on social media. We're, we're, too, we're too busy doing all of these other things. We're distracted with all the preparations. We're distracted with all the different things that we have to do, and, and we want more things, and we want to be busier, and we don't want to think about reality. So we, we welcome distractions into our lives, and then, then we wonder, why haven't we seen God? Why haven't we felt God? And all these distractions are going on in our lives, and we're not willing to release anything. A couple years ago, I had the the privilege of going um, to North Carolina to Elevation with with Stephen Furtick, and uh, he preached a message called Death by Distraction. And he was talking about kind of this same idea about um, distraction and and being distracted, and he used this illustration of of distraction, not in in the the realm of not being able to pay attention, um, but in the medieval way of putting people to death. And so what they would do is they would take a person, they tie ropes to their hands and to their feet, And then they would take those ropes and they would tie them to four different horses. And then they would slap those horses on the butt and they'd run in four different directions and they'd rip those people apart. Again, encouraging, right? (laughs) Death by distraction. How many of us, our lives, our spiritual lives, our faith is being destroyed by distraction? is being atrophied because we refuse to work it out because we're, we're too distracted with what is happening right now in the here and now. And those of us that are in ministry or have been in any kind of ministry, it can be ministry that is the distraction between you and Jesus. It can be being a good mom that is the distraction between you and Jesus. And we can be distracted with good things that are actually killing us. You guys have heard this story before in Luke 10, starting in verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. Aw, how nice. That's awesome. Jesus comes, you open your door. That's what you do. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. By all of the preparations that had to be made, she came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or in fact, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary, she, she sat and she listened but martha the bible's got some good butts in it guys but martha but martha was distracted by the preparations of jesus this was good stuff right she opened up her house to jesus and his disciples she's she's preparing food she's preparing meals and beds and different places and and she's going and doing all this stuff and that's that's awesome it's good stuff it's stuff that needs to be done but guys the thing about a preparation is that it happens before that's why it's called a pre preparation it it happens before the thing and here's the thing what i think is that martha is serving here she's serving hard she's working and i understand why she's distracted but i guarantee you that mary was serving just as hard but her preparation ended as soon as jesus came into the house and she chose to put down the distraction and sit at the feet of of Jesus and listen. Some of us are saying, My distractions aren't bad. They're needed. I have to take my kids to 14,000 different sports events. I have to have my two year old in gymnastics. I have to watch all the Netflix series. I have to do all of this. I have to go to this. I have to do that. I have to be involved in this club and this club and this thing and this thing. And we, we, we've got to do it and we don't want to hurt people. So we're just going to take on more stuff and we're never going to say no. And by the time we know it, our limbs are ripped apart and we can't handle anything. See you guys. (laughs) You may be saying you're not doing anything bad. You're not distracted with bad stuff. I get this. But if the enemy can't stop you with bad things, he'll distract you with the good things. We need to take a look at our lives, a real gut check, and say, hey, what are the good things in my life that are actually destroying my faith? that are actually destroying my hope, that are actually destroying my family? Why is it that the less time we spend with God, the more we ask of Him? And the more time we spend listening to God, the more content we become. See, I'm more like Martha, where I'm too distracted, but I'll constantly ask of God. He's going to listen. He's going to answer. I get it but I want to be more like Mary where I just sit in his presence and I'm content with who I am, with what he's speaking, with what he's calling me to do. Well, Why do you think David so fearlessly, I guarantee you his heart was bumping in his chest, but why do you think he so fearlessly ran towards the battle? It's because the preparation he had beforehand when he was sitting in the field tending the sheep worshiping and talking and listening and listening and sitting and waiting and Jesus was speaking to him no wonder we can't run towards the roar of tomorrow because we don't know who we are we don't know that we're sons and daughters of the King Most High because we haven't spent the time sitting and listening and being encouraged and being built up and having identity spoke to and having hope spoke to. It's easy to be fearful when we have no idea of what's going to happen in the end. But when we've spent time sitting and listening to Jesus, how much easier is it for us to run with confidence the race set before us? When we know who we are in God, when we know what he's spoken about us, when we know who he's called us to be, it's so much easier to run towards that race. So much easier to run towards that roar, to run towards that brokenness, to run towards that hopelessness, to encounter those icky, sticky, gross situations. Because if we don't do it now, It's going to come up out of nowhere. and It might just take us out. Are you willing to sit and listen to what God has to say about you and to you so that you can run towards the roar? Or are you going to let yourself just be distracted the rest of our lives? Let's pray. God, we come before you. Jesus, I, I pray, God, that as we look at our lives, as we look at the brokenness in our lives, uh, none of us are perfect, we're all screwed up we're all we're all human. And God I pray Father that you would speak to our identities, that you would speak to our destinies that we have a hope and a future before us and that when we call, when we knock that you will answer and God as we deal with these situations, God would we be encouraged in them as we sit? and listen to you You're awesome name we pray amen
0: as always thank you so much for listening to the SNSC podcast Make sure that you follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe to us on iTunes to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Here at SNSC, we care so much about community. If you're ever in the Castle Rock, Colorado area, I invite you to come. We meet every Saturday night. We have awesome worship, an amazing message from one of these speakers, and we always share a free meal. You can find more information at saturdaynightsupperclub.org. Have a great week.